0: Good. I would like to request your attention for a moment. This is a little dark maybe. Would you be able to? Mm, Above me is bright enough, but maybe the hole. So as you um, sense one of the themes that goes through this retreat is the teaching of the Brahma Viharas, the divine abidings, or uh, there may be more, the older term is called the immeasurables, the apamanyas. And let me say just a few words about these. when I began practicing uh, and had growing acquaintance with early buddhist teachings it seemed to me that um, brahma viharas are things you do when you can't meditate yeah. it's kind of the soft option if you if you can't have samadhi, at least you can be nice <laughs> uh. so i've 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 grown a little in my understanding in the thirty intermittent years, and I I've come to understand that these Brahma Viharas are crucial. They're maybe one of the most deficient. You know, they touch into what Western society may be most deficient in. I've come to understand that there is truly no notion of growth. No notion of sanity, of health, of development, of cultivation, of realization, of liberation without the tapestry of these four forms of universal empathy as I would like to think of them. Empathy not just in terms of being able to resonate with others, but empathy also in terms of being able to act. Yeah. What makes these brahma so powerful is that they are not just feeling states. I have an ongoing disagreement generally with psychologists, often well-meaning Buddhist psychologists who, or Buddhist-leaning psychologists who try to sell me these brahma as complex emotions. Let me state with the greatest possible conviction, these qualities are not emotions. Okay? They are a number of things. On one level, on on their most profound level, they are something like hardwired into your humanity. They are something that you cannot lose. They're not even virtues on that level. They're that which constitute your humanness. Your capacity to connect in friendly ways, in compassionate ways, in joyous ways and that you can connect in relationally in equanimity. Yeah? So be equanimous and yet be connected. All of these qualities are relational qualities. That's maybe important to understand. Theravada tradition unfortunately has relegated the meaning of these brahmaviharas to, to basically meditational exercises And if you look at the commentaries more closely, you will see that they have been instrumentalized to be Samatha objects. Obviously, the living tradition has had enough wisdom to counteract that. So they they have never quite been lost on the other levels. Uh, So let me say the very opposite end of the spectrum of the one level I just mentioned is unlosable qualities of your heart. The opposite end of the spectrum is a completely awakened mind. These Brahma-viharas are how we, we how you should expect an awakened being to behave. You know. Friendly, compassionately, capable of experiencing joy, and uh, in a related manner equanimous. So if you meet people who claim to be enlightened, That's how they're supposed to be behaving. If they're not behaving that way, um, they may be less enlightened than they say or than you think. Do insist on those as the currency of awakening. On a second sort of layer, we have the Brahmaviharas as virtues. Virtues, I think I've mentioned it already, are things you can cultivate you can train in, you can recognize in others and yourself, you can affirm, you can strengthen, you can bring to growth. In, on that level, Brahma-Viharas can have a strong emotional component. And, you know, if that component is expansive, particularly if it is strengthened by stillness of mind, then it becomes immeasurable. That's where they get the second name from, if you're in a completely loving state strengthened by purity of mind and stillness, deep stillness, then this there is no bound to this experience. Yeah? It does not exclude other beings. It does not make halt in front of difficult beings, or beings very distant to you, or beings very f- far from your uh, ability to conceive of them. So on that second level, Brahmaviharas are basically the recommended abodes for the human park, yeah, for the human national park. This is what we are encouraged to spend time in, we are encouraged to spend time in friendliness with each other, to spend time in caring compassion with each other, to spend time joyously appreciating each other's successes and celebrating each other's progress and goodness. And, finally, to be in that most delicate of balance, that is equanimity, upekā, the capacity to care and connect with others and yet let the other be in his or her otherness intact. To not insist that I make sense of you only in my terms. To let you be intact and complete in your very difference. I don't insist on making sense of you only within my own value judgments, within my own concepts, within my own patterns of thinking. I'm willing to accept your radical otherness and I'm still connected to you. So on on another level, this is now floor number three, these Brahmaviharas are meditative exercises. That's the one the Theravada tradition has made most famous. Uh, quintessentially epitomized in the Visuddhimaka, The Path of Purity, a big and voluminous uh, 5th century AD commentarial work. So Brahmaviharas are, on this level, practices within our meditation, within our formal meditation. We take up, variety of ways to strengthen our heart's capacity to abide in these four forms of empathy. A very simple way to do that is wishing. Yeah. So that's where the sentences come from. Yeah. May I be well, may you be well. I can enunciate that sentence and if I keep enunciating that sentence, gradually this will begin to grow on me. I don't even need to believe it initially. But there is a power to the word and there is a power to the affirmed wish. What we keep wishing will begin to form our reality. There's nothing that we cannot grow into if we start giving the weight of our intentionality to a wish. That works for the good and for the bad, as you will be very aware of. So So we have these four layers, Brahma viharas as that which constitutes our unlosable, inalienable, humanity, maybe forgotten, maybe undeveloped, maybe occluded, but there. You don't even have to work for it. You've got the kit, you know, it's, it's in the factory settings, yeah <laughs> And then you have the Brahma viharas as. Virtues to be cultivated, to be strengthened, affirmed, admired, delo- delighted in, practiced under heavy weather. Yeah. Then you have the Brahmaviharas as meditative exercises. Then you have the Brahmaviharas as aspects of realization of a mind free from all defilements, free from all troublement, yeah, free from all that which can preoccupy and delude the mind. These brahmaviaras also have um, opposites. Tradition speaks of two enemies on each count. One is the near enemy. The near enemy is lurking right in front of your house. So where you still feel safe, it just kind of gets you. The far enemy is very very remote from your home territory and uh, f- threatens where you, are, where you are in the periphery of your familiarity. Yeah? So uh, the near enemy generally resembles the very quality you try to practice. So, In the case of Metta, the near enemy is greed. Like Metta sees the advantage, the goodness in things and in people, so sees greed the advantage uh, and the goodness in things, although with a slightly different motive. In the case of metta, it is quite selfless and directed to something quite impersonal in the other. In the case of greed, it is um, object of the wish to appropriate. Yeah? And depending on your uh, on the particular object you, you know, you want to own it, eat it, carry it away, uh, ingest it and, and so forth. Yeah, so. The far enemy uh, of meta, the is ill-will. It's the very opposite of well-wishing and benevolence. It's the wish that things go wrong for the other person. That the other person, it would be better if the other person wasn't here. Yeah. If you happen to have professional responsibility, you can easily practice that if you... Um, have people coming to you and if you exude the feeling that if things were right they wouldn't be on your doorstep right now or they wouldn't write you emails then this is generally ill will. Yeah? Your life will be uh, filled with a sense of burden and obviously it is highly unpleasant for the people at the receiving end of your ill will. The same people if you meet them with benevolence not just will they feel better and tend generally tend to f- behave better if they feel better because it's dukkha that makes us feel bad but and it's it's usually the ones that experience dukkha that will produce dukkha for others yeah it's usually not the happy ones that make trouble yeah? so if you meet your other with benevolence welcoming, with kindness, respect, warmth, then there is a likelihood that your world, even if they're still a little bit stroppy, your world is going to be a more pleasant world. Uh, Chances are that they also will feel a little different and stop be uh, as belligerent as they might have been if you meet them with your unbridled hostility or so. The near enemy of Karuna, of compassion, is um, something called distraught. It is the capacity to resonate with the pain in another's life, but the devoid of your power to help, devoid of your strength and your secure ground to actually help minimize the suffering of the other. It is as if somebody sits in a pit, and rather than you pulling them out, you just join them in there and do what in English is so beautifully called commiserate. Yeah? You kind of share their situation, and by that, you make them feel less lonely, but you don't actually help them out of the pit. Yeah, it's an interesting, maybe, part. The um, Bodhisattva of Compassion in Buddhist, particularly in Tibetan iconography, uh does not just have uh, the flower, uh, the, the lotus, and uh, the 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 rosary. It also, uh, you know, wields a few other tools: hatchet, bow and arrow, and a few things. This guy can do things. Okay. Um, by the way, in um, at least grammatically, this character is masculine. You know, and its Grammatically masculine form is a, interestingly enough, it's a male. Uh, it's a, it's it's a male force, you know, while the wisdom aspect is female. It's interesting. It's a, in for those of you who are Catholic. This is maybe a little something to take into account. So the near enemy is being distraught by a circumstance, being helpless, feeling the pain of the other, and yet being paralyzed, incapacitated, and completely distraught. The far enemy of karuna, of compassion, is cruelty. We may be more cruel than we admit. It's easier to admit greed than it is to admit cruelty, but we all probably have Exercised cruelty in some form. Uh, this may not just be, you know, torture and uh, outright violence, but we may prolong other people's pain uh, by not r- responding to their greetings, or we exert our power when they seek to apologize for something, and we give them the cold shoulder. Cold shoulder, or you know, there's thousand ways we can be cruel. You know? um, human beings do that on a quite regular basis with each other. Just non, non, <laughs> Non-acknowledgement is a classic one, to be exerting power and be cruel. Letting people stew or suffer in a, in a state where you know you could help. I think, again, cruelty very obviously the uh, opposite of compassion. The near enemy of Mudita is the party spirit. You know, it's the kind of wanting to be Having the fun of the party without really caring for the reason for the party. Doesn't matter what you're celebrating, just let me go, let me have some of your wine, okay? I just want to be in for the fun. I don't really care what you guys do. So, gate crashing other people's weddings, for example, or, uh, you know, th- there's a thousand ways we just want to be entertained. We just want to have, um, Joyride, basically, on something without actually connecting to the individual that has something to celebrate or that is joyous, or um, I think very o- in very obvious way. The opposite of mudita is an interesting quality. It's called arati in Pali, and it means discontent. It is the grumpiness. It is the um, it is a mood that says, "I don't smile before ten o'clock in the morning." Sorry, yeah. It is an attitude that does not want to connect, that does not want to attune, that does not want to resonate. Sometimes we use this to keep power. Yeah. So I don't feel I don't I don't smile at your joke because I don't want to take sides with you. I, I want to prove you my independence. Often enough, it's just a habitual attitude of discontent and a focus on the stuff that is not good. Yeah. We kind of go come in with the deficiency goggles. Yeah. You come in and see immediately what's wrong. Yeah. Last bulb there is not. It's, t- it's too yellow. You know they didn't get enough. They didn't get the right bulb. Nice enough meditation hall, but you know they gotta get their lightning strike. You know. Light colors is important, does things to your brainwaves. waves. Yeah, puts you to sleep if it's the wrong one. No wonder people are sleepy. <laughs> there and all. Wrong wrong light bulb. Yeah. Paid good money to come here and now they put me to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I thought mindfulness would make people more caring, more circumspect what they do. Now look at this. I'm sitting hour for hour in here and I'm basically being induced into some somnolence, somnolence because some careless guy just from management put in the wrong light bulb. How can you meditate in a place where there is a spider web? You know? Well, you can come in and see that the mats are not aligned, the color is slightly off, you know, there's this little rattle in the, in the pipes here. Do they really need to do the snow blowing when I'm trying to get from third to fourth jhana, you know, is this really, this, you know, you kind of come in and there are people and if you're having this, this if, you have, if you're walking on Arati's arm, okay, the world is a bad place. If you flirt with discontent, then nothing is good enough. I suspect that uh, the culture I come from, you know, Swiss are not particularly famous for their exuberance and their uh, <laughs> overwhelming uh, joyousness. I, You have to judge yourself. I'm sure you have some perceptions who in this country is... Ha- playing the Swiss role here. Yeah? So, you know, I suspect that there are parts of your society here that are not very good at instilling uh, exuberant joyousness at each other's presence, for example, or so. Discontent is a powerful number and directly the opposite of the capacity to resonate. Um, the direct enemy or the near enemy of upeka is indifference very treacherous enemy, very successful. You know? Indifference means I'm equanimous minus the relational aspect. You know, I feel equanimous because I don't care about you. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're well, <laughs> whether you're in pain. I'm just so good on my own. <laughs> I'm just so damn independent. I don't have to feel for you. you know? So I can just be happily content and equanimous. Because I simply don't get you. I'm not interested in you. I don't feel you. I don't feel the need to turn to you or take into account how you are. Um, You know, my banana, tough luck for you. So this is, um, I think, very common. We have now electronic support in this. We can just um, happily abdicate our social relations and stay indoors, play with our appliances and uh, feel connected to our respective accounts and our online personas and um, may not know what's going on with the neighbor we share a floor with, for example. So indifference, I think, is an issue. Where almost everywhere I go. The other day, um, news a town a hundred kilometers from where I live. Um, it's a man in a bank counter, you know, one of these... I don't know how it works here, but uh, when the bank is closed, you can still get in and go to the machines if you have the right sort of card. So you get in there. Obviously, you're in there, you can do whatever you need to do on these machines, and you're on camera. Everybody knows that. And there's a man collapsing there on the floor, and then you see on that camera later on, four people walking over that man, lying helpless on the floor, doing their bank business and leaving the room without helping. It's the fifth person actually bent over and realized that this person had a life-threatening health emergency going on and actually calling for help. So, And I'm horrified at living in a country where four people are willing to step over a man lying down in a... So this is indifference, yeah. Maybe tinged with a little fear or a little embarrassment, or you know, but basically the indifference wins. Um and I would be surprised if this is not also a, a theme in this society. I would expect that we all have mistrust and complexities in our life that make us busy or that make us not pay attention to each other in ways that um I guess you would like not to live in a place where people step over your helpless body when you're collapsing and actually take care of you. I would like to live in such a place where, this, where I could count on this, that if I keel over that some of you come up here and think, this isn't just a profound teaching of a Kinjano, he's, <laughs> he's giving us his last Chambala number or so, he's actually you know, in need. The far enemy of Upeka is what we already know, its greed and its ill will. It's that which most threatens our equanimity if we lean into uh, trying to acquire and appropriate, uh, or if we try to push away and wish things bad and wish things away. Um, Sometimes these Brahmaviharas come into relief more when we consider their near-and-far enemies, because they can be identified. Um, I would like you to come away from this with one little message, and this message is it's important that you do not have to feel the emotion of friendliness to be able to practice metta. Particularly men in here usually feel slightly overwhelmed by the apparent demand that they have to now exude Warmth and loving-kindness all around before the practice of metta can take place. You do practice these things primarily on the level of intention, okay? You can have the intention, if I could be warm and friendly, I would be warm and friendly, okay? This already is the practice of metta. If you do that, your warmth and friendliness will grow, you can practice metta if you don't feel metta. This is important. In fact, if you don't feel meta, this is precisely the moment where I would recommend you practice metta. If you get a warm, fuzzy, exuberant feeling in your chest, wonderful. You know, strengthen it, delight in it, reverberate in it, make it pervade as we exercise. But it is not the precondition for the practice of these Brahma-viharas, that we affirm the intention of friendliness and loving-kindness, that we affirm the intention of resonating with each other's pain and recognizing on the basis of our own susceptibility to pain, that we can feel and respond to the pain of others by helping and minimizing their pain, or alleviating, or at least minimizing, if not possible, at least by comforting them And if that doesn't work, at least by not letting them alone in it, if you want a sort of graduation. We can do that. Even if we don't feel greatly effusive. Um, We can learn to resonate in joy and pick up the good things in each other's lives and learn to resonate rather with jealousy and envy about the good in other people's life as... Sometimes a a competitive society produces, you know, why he and not me, Uh, if the promotions are being declared. um, We can learn to resonate with the goodness, the celebration. You know, every religious tradition I know of speaks of generosity. Generosity of heart is what makes us be joyous with somebody else's success, with the goodness in somebody else's life. rather than the miserly and stingy contraction that says, look, uh, out of the goodness of him, I make a deficiency for me, rather than actually do the opposite and say, the goodness in his life is truly goodness, and I can celebrate with that, I can jubilate with that, I can practice gratitude, appreciation, connectedness. I can learn to be in relationship and let the other be in his otherness, intact. A- acknowledge boundaries, acknowledge that there is causality at work that I may not have a say in. Yeah. That there are things I may not be able to correct, to may not even be able to ameliorate, and yet I stay connected to this being. So, let us shift mode and um, take ten minutes. And I would like you to just listen to four wonderful sentences. They come from a manuscript in Sri Lanka. It's something that monks and nuns say to their donors on on alms round when they receive food in the morning. Just close your eyes, sit up. Now think of somebody whom you care, somebody it is easy to evoke an image of, somebody to whom you have a heart connection. Uh, I very much wish that this person is here with you in your life, um, but to be honest with you, it is, for our exercise it is not actually needed so see whether you can try to be allow an image to arise in your mind and then gently say murmur into yourself breathing in and breathing out how wonderful you are in your being how wonderful you are in your being. How wonderful you are in your being. How wonderful you are in your being. I delight in your presence. I delight in your presence. I delight in your presence. I take joy in your good fortune. 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 May your happiness continue. May your happiness continue. May your happiness continue. May your happiness continue. Take a deep breath and then I'd like to invite you to allow to emerge an image of yourself in your heart space, just in front of your inner eye, just an image of yourself. And then let us repeat this. You look at yourself, you seek your own gaze. You allow your features to emerge and then you dress yourself caringly and say, how wonderful you are in your being. How wonderful you are in your being. I delight in your presence. I delight in your presence. I take joy in your good fortune. I take joy in your good fortune. May your happiness continue. May your happiness continue Good, take a moment to stretch. It is, uh Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.